Welcome to Two Open Doors, the podcast that explores our power to open or close the doors of relationship with the important people in our lives. We hope you'll learn from and share your wisdom with our community. Thanks for joining us. As we've repeatedly observed, relationship is a two-way street. As such, a relationship can't work if the two partners are not agreed as to their goals for the relationship. If anything, significant differences in relationship goals will lead to ongoing friction at best or to relationship dissolution at worst. In this post, we'll take a look at the sorts of goals one might have for a particular relationship. In the context of polyamorous relationships, we'll further develop the previously presented notion of broad polyamory and narrow polyamory. We'll gain insight from a novel graphical tool that we can use to depict relationship goals. Let's start by asking ourselves what we might mean by a relationship goal. As the term goal suggests, this phrase attempts to capture what we want out of a relationship. Possible goals include companionship, touch, sexual connection, platonic friendship, teamwork in dealing with life challenges, and other possible things. Our goals might include one or any number of these. There are many possible benefits to sharing all or portions of one's life with another person. As individuals, each of us has desires for our life. A well-matched couple may share many such desires, which allows them to support one another in the pursuit of those goals. Still, as individuals, each of us also has desires that our partner or partners may not share. In coming together in relationship, we don't stop also being individuals. When we're in a relationship, we have three separate entities to deal with. The previously existing you and me, and the us that you and me co-create. Each of these entities comes with goals and desires that need to be dealt with. Addressing the sometimes conflicting goals of you, me, and us requires honest and caring communication between the partners. Balancing these goals requires a process of negotiation. That process depends on clear communication of each partner's individual desires, as well as of the desires and vision for their shared relationship. Each partner must be willing to support the other's goals and desires while voicing and requesting support for their own needs. Setting the goals for a relationship isn't a one-and-done occurrence at the beginning of the relationship. Need and desire evolves throughout a relationship, and the partners need to revisit and reframe the relationship in keeping with those shifts. In some cases, the partner's needs may move them in very different directions, perhaps under the influence of occurrences and associated emotions that could not have been anticipated earlier in the relationship. That could occur, for example, if a partner encounters someone new who they wish to incorporate into their life. Such an occurrence might require significant changes to the existing relationship, up to and including the possibility of ending the current relationship in order to enable the creation of a new one. For better or for worse, human relationships are fluid, and partners' respect for one another demands that they be willing to adjust their relationship to allow for flexibility. As we've noted in the past, the partners in a healthy relationship don't try to control or own one another, so mutually supportive flexibility is the only viable option. Good communication allows the partners in a relationship to stay aware of possible shifts in that relationship and to negotiate adjustments as needed. In prior posts, we've explored several relationship styles and the relationship goals that typically accompany them. In particular, in episode 2-24, we placed relationship styles within a two-axis framework with degree of emotional commitment as one axis and the scope or number of emotionally committed relationships as the other axis. 
traditional committed monogamous relationships were categorized as deeply committed relationships between two individuals. In addition, we define two different kinds of polyamorous relationships. Narrow poly relationships are deeply committed relationships between two or perhaps a very small number of partners, while broad poly relationships are committed relationships between a larger number of partners. We also noted that because of our limited human capacity for emotional connection and our limited time and energy, broad poly relationships are almost necessarily less committed than our narrow poly relationships. It's possible and useful to carry this classification scheme a bit further by taking a graphical approach to help visualize how partners with differing relationship goals interact with one another to shape their relationships. The ideas presented here are an elaboration of a sketch provided by Portland, Oregon relationship coach Tanya Jarvik. I'm grateful for her inspiration of this schematic approach. In thinking about any particular individual, that person can be thought of as having two different kinds or levels of relationship desires. One can draw a circle to depict the number of emotionally uncommitted relationships in that person's life. The people who fall into that circle might include one set of good friends or lovers. One's basis for relationship with each of those people might be platonic or sensual or sexual or romantic. That likely differs for each relationship. The radius of that circle represents the number of people who occupy that level. Some people have a capacity and a desire to have uncommitted relationships with many different people, while others might have less capacity or interest in such connections and thus fewer people at that level. In addition to these uncommitted relationships, a person may have one or more people with whom they are engaged in an emotionally committed relationship. People in such a relationship are variously referred to as spouses or life partners or nesting partners. These are one's core relationships. In a monogamous relationship, there's only one such partner. In polyamorous relationships, there may be two or more. We can depict the set of committed relationships as a smaller circle contained within the broader circle of uncommitted relationships. As for the outer circle depiction of uncommitted relationships, the radius of the inner circle denotes the number of people with whom one has a committed relationship. That correctly depicts committed relationships as a subset of uncommitted relationships. Note that this also implies a hierarchy of relationships in which committed or core relationships, if any, are privileged with respect to uncommitted relationships. While that can be a controversial perspective, I believe that it realistically reflects the greater emotional investment that accompanies committed relationships. There are people who don't want to be involved in committed relationships, whether at present or long term. Such people, which can include those who practice solo polyamory, typically place a premium on their freedom and personal autonomy. In our graphical scheme, these people have very small or non-existent inner circles. In thinking about any particular individual, that person can be thought of as having two different kinds or levels of relationship desires. We can summarize the preceding ideas in a figure in which we see two rather different people, one who has a large capacity and desire for uncommitted relationships, but little capacity or appetite for committed relationships, and a second person who has a lower interest in and capacity for uncommitted relationships, but a high interest in committed relationships. The first person might exemplify what I've labeled as broad polyamory, while the second is best seen as an example of narrow polyamory, or perhaps monogamy. Neither is better than the other, they're just different ways of allocating one's relationship interest and energy. 
now that we have a way of depicting an individual's relationship-style desires, we can consider what happens when two or more people come together. Using our diagramming scheme, relationships are depicted as intersecting circles. Basically, in a relationship, one individual's inner or outer circles intersect with another person's inner or outer circles. That is, one can invite another person into relationship at one's own committed or uncommitted levels. When we consider these figures, focus on the circle for a given person, say person 1, in which an inner circle represents the relationships that person 1 considers themselves to be emotionally committed to. Thus, if person 2's circles overlap person 1's inner circle, then person 1 sees person 2 as a core relationship for 1. The outer circle represents relationships in which a person is uncommitted. Thus, if person 2's outer or inner circle intersects person 1's outer circle, that indicates that person 1 sees 2 as being one of person 1's uncommitted relationships. There are five possible overlap situations. In the first case, there's no overlap between person 1 and person 2. These people are not in relationship with one another. In case 2, person 2's outer circle overlaps person 1's outer circle. Both people, in such an arrangement, see themselves as being in an uncommitted relationship with one another. In case 3, person 2's outer circle overlaps person 1's inner circle. Person 1 sees themselves as being in a committed relationship with person 2, but without reciprocal commitment from person 2. For their part, person 2 likewise considers themselves to be in committed relationship with person 1, but while also considering person 1 to be uncommitted to them. Person 1's inner circle doesn't overlap Person 2's inner circle. This situation is symmetric for both participants, but like Case 2, it's an unstable situation. Each person sees their partner as participant in a core relationship, but without expecting to be one of that partner's core relationships. The likely long-term outcome is dissatisfaction for both partners. In Case 4, Person 2's inner circle overlaps Person 1's outer circle. Here. Person 1 sees Person 2 as being in uncommitted relationship to 1, but Person 2 sees 1 as being in committed relationship with 1. And finally, in Case 5, Person 2's inner circle overlaps Person 1's inner circle. Here, Person 1 sees themselves as being in committed relationship with 2, and Person 2 likewise sees themselves as being in committed relationship with 1. This describes a mutually committed relationship. With all of this hubbub about committed and uncommitted relationships, it's reasonable to ask why this distinction matters. In brief, partners who see themselves as uncommitted to one another owe each other nothing, beyond respect and consideration. They're both free to enjoy their relationship along with any number of other relationships. In a committed relationship, though, the closer emotional connection implies greater emotional vulnerability and greater emotional vesting investment in each other. That, in turn, suggests a greater need to be gentle with each other, to be clear in discussing goals and dreams, and in setting relationship expectations. The potential for both deeper connection and greater hurt are two sides of the same coin in committed relationships. Pain and chaos can ensue when one partner sees themselves as committed to the other, while the other sees themselves as uncommitted to their partner. It's important for partners to decide what they want, early in a relationship, and then to revisit that regularly as the relationship evolves. 
To learn more about Two Open Doors and to engage with our community, I'd like to invite you to visit the Two Open Doors private Facebook group, the Two Open Doors meetup group, and the Two Open Doors website and blog at twoopendoors.com. I also invite you to contact me directly by writing to me at claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, at twoopendoors.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'll use your inputs to guide my work on future blog posts and podcast episodes. Thanks for visiting Two Open Doors. <laughs>